Thanks for joining us here at Temple Baptist Church in Centralia, Illinois, where we are a community of people who are not perfect and don't pretend to be. If you would like to see other resources or learn more about our ministry, check out www.tbccentralia.com. Our hope and prayer is that through the following message, you are encouraged, blessed, and inspired to meet the Lord in a powerful way. All right, well, good morning. And if uh, you would, open up your Bibles to the book of Revelation, turn to 16, and just put a place marker there, and then find the book of Job. And the 40th chapter. I've heard it said, and maybe you have as well, and that is that I just can't believe in God that would allow so much suffering and evil. You know, it's a popular uh, sentiment and statement that many people who uh, do not want to be associated or want to associate with a church or folks that go to church, that they'll say. You know, but unfortunately, that there is lunacy for man to question his creator. It's a little crazy for us as uh, the creation to uh, decide how uh, the, 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 the God of this world, the Savior, goes about doing his business. And one thing that you'll find out is when you question God ultimately, God will put the questions to you. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, I just ask that your message would be heard, that the hearts would be prepared. God, I pray that we would come to you ready to hear. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, there was a, a man in the Bible who decided that he was going to question God. And what's interesting, if you know the story about Job, Job did so well for a while. You know, he had a, a life that was uh, shaken upside down. You know, the story is this, that uh, Satan had told God that, you know, you're protecting Job and if you took your protection off of him, things would be different. And so God took the shackles off of Satan and, and didn't restrain him and allowed him to affect Job's life. Took all his children, took all his wealth, took everything that you could imagine. And so now Job uh, really only had some friends that came to him. And, and these friends weren't the best of friends. They, they weren't that helpful. And at the end of all of this, at some point, Job, I don't know if he had a breakdown, I don't know if he had a breakthrough, I don't know if he had a break up, but I can tell you this, that Job questioned God. And in Job chapter 40, in verse 1, you hear God's response, and it says, And the Lord said to Job, in verse 2, Shall a fault finder contend with the Almighty? He who argues with God, let him answer it. Friends, there are a lot of people on this planet today who are arguing with God. And the same message that God had for Job is that let the fault finder give answer. 
And I'm not going to read to you God's encounter and as he begins to question Job, where was he when he was establishing everything? But I'm here to tell you that it is not uncommon for we, the creation, to question our Creator. Matter of fact, that's probably the norm in today's society. And so I want you to, to think about that as I, I review where we're at in this series. So we're, we're in the middle of a 10-week series, week number six. And each week I've reminded you a couple of things. The first thing was this of these three principles. And, and first of all, I don't want you to take my word for it. I hope that I say things that cause you to go and dig into Scripture and find out, is that really there? I can't believe that. That sounds preposterous. I don't want you to take my word for it. I want you to do what 2 Timothy 2 tells us, and that is to study to show ourselves approved. And then I want us to be like the Bereans in Acts 17, where it says, daily they got together and they studied what the apostles had talked to them. One way that you can do that is on Tuesday nights at 7, we open up our home, and uh, for the last five weeks we've had 20 people that have uh, uh, joined a Bible study that I call Going Deeper. And we'll, be, we'll be doing that again this Tuesday at 7. Uh, if you grab one of our uh, uh, inserts, you'll see the address there. I encourage you, uh, make time for this. Well, not only do I not want you to take my word for it, I want you to question, I want you to find out for yourself, but I also want to remind you that it's all about context. You know, uh, at the very beginning, I shared with you when John wrote the words, or I'm sorry, Daniel wrote the words, he says, in the last days, people will run to and fro. Well, when Daniel wrote that, they literally thought that people were just running to and fro, back and forth. They didn't have the automobile. They didn't have uh, planes. They didn't have the, the means of transportation that we have. But what we understand today in our context is that people are able to travel across the, the entire world in 24 hours. Well, not only that, but he also said that knowledge would increase. And you'll find out that the context of especially eschatology, as things change, things change. Things that we understood in the 80s have radically new meanings today. And I believe that if the Lord were to tarry in 20 years, the things that we believe or understand or see will change radically one more time. And, and the truth of the matter is they haven't changed. God's word hasn't changed. He didn't, what he said hasn't changed one iota. But our understanding, and that's where context comes in. And so be careful as we look at, uh, into the future that you don't allow the context to overpower the word of Scripture. And how we do that? Well, we use the whole counsel of the word of God. As we read through the book of Revelation, there's nothing that is not revealed either in Revelation itself or in previous books of the Bible. You see, as, we, as I hold this collection of 66 books, it's actually one book with one message. The same message that we read about in Genesis is actually the same message that it gets completed in the book of Revelation. It's not an accident that the books are put in the order that they are. And so what I would encourage you is, if you don't see the answer to what I'm referring to, um, use the whole counsel of the Word of God. Well, I've been telling you about uh, this guy last, uh, two weeks ago 
called the Antichrist. And he has a cohort, and uh, he is referred to as the false prophet. And these two men currently, um, at a time in the future of what we call Daniel's 70th week, and, and, and we're actually in the middle of um, Daniel's 70th week right now, and some things have been happening, all right? Um, things like, for example, the Antichrist and false prophet are on their way to world domination. Uh, last week I uh, shared with you about two witnesses and these two witnesses for 1,260 days uh, had a message and they, they proclaimed that message. And at the end of that, the Antichrist killed them. And three and a half days later, they were raptured in such a way that the entire world was able to see this. And so there again, we see modern technology come to a play. Well, here's what I want you to understand. That in Daniel's 70th week, things are going to be different. The church is gone. We have been raptured out. There are people that are going to be left behind that are in attendance most likely today but have attended church many times in their lives. And they're going to find out that they're living in a time that's very different than what they grew up in. Not only were there two witnesses, but you also see there was 144,000 witnesses and what I call evangelists. And these uh, 144,000, 12,000 from every tribe in Israel have been given a commission to reach every tribe and every nation in the world. And so for the seven years of Daniel's 70th week, that's exactly what they're doing. But if you look at your note taker, I put a little um, kind of a timeline in there. And as you look at that timeline, uh, you see there's Daniel 69 weeks and then there's a gap. And um, in that gap is uh, the time when uh, Jesus presented himself as the Messiah, as the king. And we know that he was rejected. Then he was crucified on a cross, and three days later, he rose from the dead. And now we're in a time of uh, period uh, called the church age, and that is us. That is where uh, God has um, supernaturally inserted the church into place. And it is our job to take the gospel to the entire world. Well, at some point, he's going to remove the church. And I don't know if it's months, weeks, or years later, but uh, there's going to be a political figure that comes on the scene, and he's going to make a uh, contract with the nation of Israel for their safety, and with many nations. And when he does that, the Bible tells us that is the beginning of Daniel's 70th week. You may have heard of the term tribulation. The, the, the accurate term is Daniel's 70th week, but uh, when you hear Jesus talk about it, he called it the time of the great tribulation. Now, Jesus wasn't referring to the entire seven years. He was referring to a very specific time. At the midway point of this seven years, the Antichrist is going to go into the temple that will be rebuilt, which will be the third temple in Israel. And he is going to go into the Holy of Holies and he is going to proclaim to the world that he is God. And when he does that, something is going to be unleashed on the planet as we know it. And that is God's wrath. And it's not just God's wrath, but it's going to be God's wrath full strength. And it's going to be something that escalates throughout the rest of these three and a half years. So when I talk about this wrath and you ask, well, whose wrath are you referring to? I'm referring to the infinite God. 
I'm referring to the one who created this earth. When we think about the wrath of kings and how that people will dread what they can do, I mean, just think about now what life is like for those who live in North Korea. They have a dictator that doesn't allow them to enjoy many of the things that we have here in our country. He has a very tight control on them, what they can do, what they can see, how they can get together or not. And then China, I don't know if you've been watching the uh, headlines, but I just saw where uh, China has a system in place that they give you, they don't just have credit scores, but they also have a, a social score. And based on your score, it determines do you get to ride the fast train or do you have to take the slow train? Now, we think about how in the world could something like that possibly be going on. That's going on today in this world. This is not me telling you this. This is not uh, some news site that's unreputable. This is what you'll see if you go to any news site. If you do any kind of search, you'll find out that uh, China's proud of this. And one day, it's not going to be China. It's going to be another world leader. And the people are going to follow him. Proverbs 22 tells us this, the fear of a king is as of a roaring lion. Whoso provoketh him sinneth against his own soul. You know, while we think about the greatest earthly kings and their greatest strength and the greatest terror that they can bring to bear, it's but feeble and despicable when we compare it to the king of kings, the almighty creator, the king of heaven and earth. You see, the wrath of the great king of kings is much more terrible You know, the first time that we saw Jesus and we were introduced to him, he came to us as a lamb. And his whole intent was to be sacrificed. And what's interesting was as, the, as Israel was looking for their Messiah, they were looking for a conquering Messiah. Uh, I'm here to tell you that there was a cosmic battle going on in the supernatural realm. And Satan himself was looking for Jesus to come and to establish his kingdom. And instead of establishing his kingdom at that point, what he did was he laid down his life to pay for the sin of mankind from Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden all the way through until the last person lives on this earth. But I'm here to tell you that the next time that Jesus comes to this earth, it won't be as that sacrificial lamb. He's going to come as a warrior king. And he's going to rule for a thousand years with a rod of iron. You see, spiritual welfare or warfare is very real in our world today many of us are very uh, ignorant of what is happening and you don't realize the power that your prayers have or the power that your prayers do not have turn in your bible to revelation the 16th chapter and let me introduce you to god's wrath it's a different god than the one that uh, everybody wants to talk about it's a different god than the all merciful, all-loving, the kind God. You're going to see God in a way that maybe you've never seen Him before. In verse 1 it says this, And then I heard a loud voice from the temple telling the seven angels, Go and pour out on the earth the seven bowls of the wrath of God. In verse 2, So the first angel went and poured out his bowl on the earth, And harmful and painful sores came upon the people who bore the mark of the beast 
and worshipped its image. And now, what I want you to understand is, as I introduce you to five of the seven bowls today, is that um, there's a couple of words that should stand out to you. Number one is this bowl was poured onto the earth, and when that happened, those who had taken the mark of the beast... And we don't know what that looks like. I mean, you've seen it depicted as a a tattoo or something on their forehead or on their right hand. Uh, Just be frank with you, we don't know what that is. When they get there, they will. They'll understand. It'll make perfect sense. But with what we understand in our context, it, it is probably something like that. And they are told that they can't buy or sell without having the mark of the beast. And it's interesting that the first bowl of God's wrath says that the angel poured it out on the earth. The the Greek word for earth in this case is luaunida. And it has three different definitions. One is land. Another is the inhabited earth, big picture. And the other one is the earth as a theater. The way that is used here, it's actually referring to the land. And so this angel is going to pour out God's wrath on the land, and I believe what you're going to happen is that the plague is actually going to be upon the earth and the food source. Remember, it's the mark of the beast that you have to have for you to be able to buy and sell, to be able to eat. And it's that very mark of the beast that is going to cause them to have this plague come upon their lives. And it's interesting that God attacks the food source. Why? Because it's that very thing where they said that you cannot buy or sell without the mark of the beast. And all I would, uh, if I could be there in that time frame, uh, the question I would ask is, how is that working out for you? Because at this point, when God has had enough with man, and, and it's not just man, but it's with Satan himself, who uh, since the beginning of time, since he uh, stood up to God and proclaimed himself as God, There has been that cosmic battle going on ever since. And then we as humans find ourselves um, having to pick. And what's crazy is those that pick to, to align themselves with Satan and with the beast will ultimately find that Satan and the beast turn against them. And those who decide to accept Jesus' precious gift of eternal life, well... They've chosen the winning side. So here we are in Revelation 16, and it is the second half of the Daniel's seven years, um, and the food has been tainted in such a way that it causes boils on those that eat of it. And the only people that are able to get to it are those who have taken the mark of the beast. If you look in Revelation 6, 5, it said that there was a black horse that came on the scene and that horse represented famine. And so before the seven years begins, the world is going to uh, encounter a time of famine that maybe we've never seen before. And there's going to be somebody that comes on the scene that helps save the world and give them a solution to this. That's the Antichrist. And, you know, we talked, I mentioned the mark of the beast, and we think about that, and we think, well, you know, some people are worried, about, well, what if I get uh, a, a chip implanted? Could that be the mark of the beast? Well, no, because those that take the mark of the beast will be making an oath and a pledge to this leader. It won't be something that somebody can accidentally put on you. 
The only way that you can receive this is to willfully pledge your obedience to this personage. If you turn to verse 3, it says, The second angel poured out his bowl into the sea, and it became like the blood of a corpse. And every living thing died that was in the sea. So here we are in this final three and a half years. The food source has been removed. And the next thing that the wrath of God affects is it affects. I mean, if you can't manufacture any food on the land, where are you going to go get your food from? Going to go to the sea, going to go to the oceans. Uh, I think that some people call tuna the chicken of the sea. Well, the reality is this, that when that food source on land is gone, God is going to take away the next food source that the earth will go to, which is the sea. And I want you to have a proper perspective on the earth because God told us from the very beginning that we were to subdue it. And, you know, it's interesting that there are many who will spend their life trying to save this planet. And the hard part of this is that, uh, in essence, at the very heart of that, it is a very anti-God message. But yet it's a, a message that is harmless and seems so simple. And you don't realize the spiritual warfare that is involved behind that. So we have a plague upon the food and the food source is gone. We have a plague upon the salt water and the food source from the water is gone. We see that God is escalating. God is squeezing the Antichrist. He's squeezing Satan. He's squeezing the false prophet. And he's squeezing all those who've decided to follow them. In verse 4, And the third angel poured out his bowl into the rivers and the springs of water and they became blood. And I heard the angel in charge of the water say, Just are you, O Holy One, who is and who was, for you brought these judgments. You know, as you read this, you may have a Scooby-Doo moment and say, Huh? He just destroyed everything in the ocean. He just destroyed the food on the land. He just destroyed the fresh water source. How can somebody say, Just are you? God for doing this. You see, things are different. Matter of fact, if you look at this word, you, verse, you see something different. Throughout Revelation, you hear the, the phrase, He who is, who was, and who is to come. But as you read here in Revelation 16, it only says, O holy one who is and who was. Something's missing. The who is to come. Why? Because at this point, he's here. He has come back and he is pouring out God's wrath through Jesus Christ on this world. Now, this is not a, a message that many people want to hear. Matter of fact, this is a message that even as Christians, it makes you cringe. But this is the reality of what sin does, where sin leads us to. If we continue to read in verse 6, it says, For they have shed the blood of saints and prophets, and you have given them blood to drink. It is what they deserve. During the, the final week, 
when the one world religion comes onto the scene, you're going to see all of the religions of the world come together and one of the things that's going to come back is the occultic practice of Satan worship. And one of the things that they do in Satan worship is they drink the blood. I don't know if you're familiar with Genesis chapter 9, but God told Noah after the flood, don't drink the blood of animals. And the reason why he had to say that specifically was because before the world was destroyed by the flood, that this was a practice that happened on a regular basis. But they weren't just drinking the blood of animals, they were drinking the blood of children sacrificed. When I tell you things are going to be different, this is the kind of things that are going to be happening during this final seven years of this, as we know this earth before Jesus comes back to rule and reign. And it's because that it's the, the blood of the saints. Not only have they decapitated them, not only have they destroyed them, but they've mocked them by drinking their blood. The creator of this world will take all water sources and turn it into blood. Not into red water, into blood. And verse 7, it says, And I heard the altar saying, Yes, Lord, God, the Almighty, true and just are your judgments. Folks, these words are the prayers of the martyrs that have been killed during the tribulation up to this point. Back in Revelation 6, 9, it tells us this, When he opened the fifth seal, I saw under the altar souls of those who had been slain for the word of God and for the witness they had borne. In verse 10, it says, They cried out with a loud voice, O sovereign Lord, holy and true, how long before you will judge and avenge our blood? On those who dwell on the earth. Then they were each given a white robe and told to rest a little longer until the number of their fellow servants and their brothers should be complete, who were to be killed as they themselves had been. Fast forward to Revelation 16, that number has been completed. And God is now pouring out and He is responding to all of those who have been killed for the Word of God, for the testimony of being a Christian. So we've seen the plague upon the land, we've seen the plague upon the salt water food source, we've seen the plague upon the fresh water, the rivers and the springs. And what we've seen is that God is allowing the world to reap what he has sown. What they mockingly did by drinking the, the blood of those that they have been killing, now all they have to choose from is blood to drink. Things are different. Go to verse 8. The first angel poured out his bowl on the sun, and it was allowed to scorch people with fire. They were scorched by the fierce heat, and they cursed the name of God, who had the power over these plagues. They did not repent and give him glory. I want you to understand something. If you look at the way that our earth is designed, that it is on the correct axis so that we don't, I mean, it's August, it's hot but it's not that hot. I mean, it's hot like last August. It's going to get a little hotter. There's going to be days where it doesn't rain for weeks. But it's nothing like what's coming to the earth. Wonder what the Lord is restraining? Well, one of the things that He controls is exactly what the sun can and can't do to our planet. The earliest form of paganism was sun worship. 
There's a guy in Genesis named Nimrod, and that's exactly what he led the earth to worship the sun god. It's no doubt that the plague comes upon the sun to scorch the earth. Now, if you're like me at this moment, you would expect man to say, Uncle, all right, God, we we get it. We know who you are. We recognize. But if you look in verse 9 of Revelation 16, it says, They did not repent and give him glory. The reason is given to us in the book of Romans 1. I'll just read this to you. Romans 1, and I'll start in verse 18. For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men, who by their unrighteousness, listen to this, suppress the truth. The reason why we struggle with sin is part of a cosmic battle of the ages that has been going on. And what we end up doing and the way that we uh, contribute to that is to suppress the truth. Verse 19, for what can be known about God is plain to them because God has shown it to them. Ladies and gentlemen, make no mistake about it. Every man and woman knows that there is a God. People who claim to be an atheist, people who claim to be agnostic, people who claim that there is no God, that they cannot find evidence for it. The truth of the matter is that men don't fail to believe in God because they don't have have enough evidence. It's that they don't believe in God, they have made a mistake. They have suppressed the truth. They refuse to accept what is known. And the reason we do this is because we in our fallen state are rebellious and unfortunately we think ourselves to be equal to God. That's who Satan thought he was. That's who Job at some point in his life thought he was. And anybody who questions God with why would you allow this suffering and this evil and not trusting in faith that God has this under control. Continuing on in Romans 1 and verse 20, it says this, For his invisible attributes, namely his eternal power and divine nature, have been clearly perceived ever since the creation of the world. Now, creation of the world is not a very popular topic outside of Uh, many church buildings it's one that they want to uh, ridicule and make fun of it's one that many people want to point out that well you know we were you there you can't possibly begin to believe that the Lord just spoke it and this earth was created well the problem is when you start without a worldview that accepts that this world was created and there was a creator you remove morality In the final months of the Great Tribulation, God will take every refuge that man can find. Think about it this way. Man says that I can feed myself, and God says after the first bowl, how does that taste? As he uh, gives them boils and sores. Man says life evolved out of the water because water is the source of life. God says I'll kill everything that lives in the water. Man says that all of this is a result of organized chaos called nature. God says, I'll burn you with nature because it's not yours, it's mine. I made it. Man says, I can hide from God at night. God says, you ain't seen nothing yet. And he allows the the sun to scorch the earth like it's never done before. Verse 21 in Romans 1 says, For although they knew God, they did not honor him as God or give thanks to him. You know, Paul is talking to the Romans, but he's 
speaking about this group of people that will still be here on this earth in this great tribulation. Folks, make no mistake about it. They are not worse than us. You know, a lot of times we think about Sodom and Gomorrah. We think about the earth before the flood. And we think, oh, you know what? You know, God judged them. The only reason God hasn't judged this earth is it's not his appointed time yet. It's not because we're better than those people in any given day. They became futile in their thinking and their foolish hearts were darkened. Claiming to be wise, they became fools and exchanged the glory of the immortal God for images resembling mortal man, birds, and animals and creeping things. Continuing in Romans 1 verse 24, Therefore God gave them up in the lust of their hearts to impurity, to the dishonoring of their bodies among themselves, because they exchanged the truth about God for a lie and worshipped and served the creature rather than the Creator. For this reason God gave them up to dishonorable passions. Folks, you need to hear and understand the, the sexual revolution that's going on in this world is a spiritual battle. Verse 28, Romans 1 says, And since they did not see fit to acknowledge God, God gave them up to a debased mind to do what ought not to be done. They were filled with all manner of unrighteousness, evil, covetousness, malice, full of envy, murder, strife, deceit, maliciousness. They're gossips, slanderers, haters of God, insolent, haughty, boastful, inventors of evil, disobedient to parents, foolish, faithless, heartless, ruthless. Though they know God's righteous decree that those who practice such things deserve to die, they not only do them, but they give approval to those who practice them. Jumping forward in the Romans chapter 2, in verse 3, he says this, Do you suppose, O man, that you who judge those who practice such things and yet do them yourselves, that you will escape the judgment of God? Or do you presume on the riches of his kindness and forbearance and patience? Listen to this, not knowing that it's God's kindness is meant to lead you to repentance. But because of your hard and impertinent heart, you are storing up wrath for yourself on the day of wrath when God's righteous judgment will be revealed. You see, now is the time to accept God's kindness, not question His ways. This is not a popular message in the church. It's not a popular message outside of the church. But ladies and gentlemen, you need to understand this, that the anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God. James tells us that. And he says, therefore, put away all filthiness and rampant wickedness. Receive with meekness the implanted word which is able to save your souls. If anyone thinks he's religious and does not bridle his tongue but deceives his heart, this person's religion is worthless. Religion that is pure and undefiled before God and the Father is this to visit the orphans and widows in their affliction and to keep oneself unstained from the world. Finishing Romans 2 and verse 6, it says, he will, re- he will render to each one according to his works. To those who by patience and well-doing seek for glory and honor and immortality, he will give eternal life. But those who are self-seeking and do not obey the truth, but obey unrighteousness, there will be wrath and fury. And here in Revelation 16, you are seeing God's wrath and fury. In Revelation 16 and verse 10, it says, The fifth angel poured out his bowl on the throne of the beast, 
and its kingdom was plunged into darkness. People gnawed their tongues in anguish and cursed the God of heaven for their pain and sores. They did not repent of their deeds. Have you seen God's progression? He takes away the food source. He takes away the water food source. He takes away the fresh water food source. He then allows the sun to burn them with a scorching heat. And so the only place that they can get relief is in the dark of night. And what is the next plague? But he actually pours this out on the throne of the beast. And in the only place that they were getting relief from the sun, now they're experiencing pain and anguish. John 12, 35 and 36 tells us this. So Jesus said to them, The light is among you for a little while longer. Walk while you have the light, lest darkness overtake you. The one who walks in darkness does not know where he is going. While you have the light, believe in the light that you may become the sons of God. Folks, that message is relevant to each of us here today. Today we have the chance to receive the light of the word. Because one day, it's no longer going to be the light that's provided, but the wrath of God that's coming. I think back to Revelation 13, and they asked a question in verse 4. And they worshipped the dragon who had given his authority to the beast. And the dragon in this case was Satan, and the beast is the Antichrist. And they worshipped the Antichrist saying, who is like the Antichrist? Who can fight against it? Now, these are the people who have taken the mark of the beast. These are the people who have um, decided and cast their allegiance to Satan. And they will find out that everyone who questions God will one day get an answer that they never really wanted to hear. And so the answer given to them in this case is, who can fight against the beast? It's none other than God Almighty, the creator of this world. Let me take you back to Job in chapter 42. And this is Job's answer two chapters later after getting talking to by God. In verse 1, then Job answered the Lord and said, I know that you can do all things and that no purpose of yours can be thwarted. Who is this that hides counsel without knowledge? Therefore, I have uttered what I did not understand. Things too wonderful for me, which I did not know. Hear and I will speak. I will question you and you make it known to me. I have heard you by the hearing of my ear, but now my eyes see you. Therefore, I despise myself and repent in dust and ashes. The question I have been closing each one of the sermons is this. Are you ready? Are you ready? You see, when this life finally ends, your judgment has just begun. Just this past Friday... We honored the life of Chuck Baggett, one of our members. The reality is this, that all of us, one day, our lungs are going to stop breathing. Our heart's going to stop beating. And we're going to leave this earth. We're either going to leave this earth by our physical body dying, or we're going to leave this earth when God calls us home. Are you ready for that? Are you ready to stand before the Creator? Let me share one more verse with you. 
Come on up, Tony. Luke 12 and verses 4 and 5 say this. I tell you, my friends, do not fear those who kill the body. And after that, have nothing more they can do. You see, that's what's happening to the, the tribulation saints. All they can do is, if they refuse to take the mark of the beast, is to kill them and mock them. But here's who Jesus says that we need to fear. I warn you whom you should fear. Fear him who after he has killed has the authority to cast into hell. That's who you need to fear. Folks, there is no more important thing for you to answer today than this. Are you ready to stand before God? Are you ready to give an account? You see, there's only two ways that you can get to heaven. One is to live a perfect life. And folks, I'm here to tell you, I don't see anyone here that's done that yet. I've lived on this earth a few many years and I haven't met anybody who's done that yet. And the reality is there'll never be anybody except Jesus Christ who gives us that opportunity. And so, listen, the same God who I just shared with you about his wrath and it's coming, that same God knew that you couldn't do it. He knew that I couldn't do it. And so he said, I'll do it. And he left his throne in heaven. And he came to this earth. And he lived a perfect life. The life that none of us could live. And he was hung upon a cross and he was killed for my sins. He was killed for your sins. Oh, Three days later, three days later, the tomb was empty because God raised him from the dead. Folks, that is the most important thing. That is the gospel. If we don't get the gospel right, all we've got is religion. And religion will take us straight to hell. If you don't have a relationship with the creator of this world, religion means nothing. Tony and Gary are about to sing a song. And I I ask you, listen to the words as they're up here on the screen. Apply them to your heart. If you've never asked Jesus Christ to come into your life, I would encourage you. I'm going to be stepping down here. I'm going to be waiting in in the back in the foyer. Before you leave today, see me. Allow me to show you and pray with you. You don't have to do this alone. You don't have to experience the wrath of God. You don't have to question God. As a church, it's our honor to play a small part in all that God is doing in and through your life. And we would love to continue with you on that journey. To find out what your next steps could be in your relationship with Christ, simply go to www.tbccentralia.com forward slash next. You see, here at TBCC, it's our mission to lead people to become fully devoted followers of Christ who walk by faith and not by sight.